0: Thank you for listening to the Hive Podcast with me, Natalina Nahai. In this third series, we're going slightly off the beaten track. These 10 conversations will take us on a journey from the world of psychedelics, ecological grief, and the self to technobiophilia, leadership, and how we might begin to recreate our identity as a species in the face of the unfolding climate crisis. Join me each week as we explore these topics and more and if you like the show please do rate or review it as it helps to reach new ears. For additional resources and to find out more visit Natalinahigh.com forward slash the high the podcast or tweet to me at natalinahigh. I hope you enjoy the show. In today's show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bruce Parry, an award-winning documentarian, Indigenous rights advocate, author, explorer, Trek leader, and former Royal Marines Commando Officer. He's best known for his time spent living with Indigenous peoples, as well as his investigations into globalisation and climate change, and his documentary series for the BBC, entitled Tribe, Amazon and Arctic, have raised awareness about many of the important issues being faced on the environmental front line. Bruce's latest film, Tawei, A Voice from the Forest, is about how humankind has shifted its connection to nature with devastating results. So in this episode, I was about to jump in and ask Bruce the question that I always ask people on the show, and um, he started asking me a bit about why I came to create the podcast, a bit about my background, and um Usually I wouldn't leave that in, but he requested me to do so, and so I thought, why not? So the first couple of minutes are a little bit more about me than about him, and then we dive into some really rich and interesting topics. So I hope you enjoy the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, (laughs) let's jump in. Okay, great, so let's, um, let's start. First of all, thank you for for jumping on um to be interviewed by me i really appreciate it
1: that's okay <laughs> where um, are you speaking from
0: I, i'm actually speaking from barcelona i live out here now
1: is that right how yeah. nice
0: yeah it is nice where are you right now
1: i'm in wales west wales oh i love
0: it. not near Paris by any chance
1: how is i'm not far from paris it's about uh, half an hour's drive oh, north beautiful. of me
0: yeah, I have friends that moved there. But
1: Paris is a big county.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a
1: huge county. Yeah, it stretches for, every, for everywhere. Um, but yeah, no, it's not so far. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely around here. But and you grew up in the UK?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was born in London, grew up in East Anglia, moved back to London and then moved back out. Well, moved to Spain for what was supposed to be a school okay. and ended up staying, so.
1: And why Spain? Because um, it's amazing.
0: Because <laughs> it's amazing and the food's wonderful. Uh, because they have um, a three-year art course here which I am about to complete. It's realist art. It's like an old atelier method for painting and drawing. So, yeah, followed the art.
1: How nice. And um, what's the story behind the podcast?
0: So the podcast, it sort of looks at three intersecting themes and everything else that kind of arises from that. So it looks at um, the living world, so nature, Mm. ecology, etc. It looks at technology, because that's kind of more my background, and then also... Um, human potential so things like psychology art creativity all the other things that come under that and the relationship everything Everything, basically but with those three kind of threads weaving together Um, and the reason I decided to do it was because so I, I speak for a living I do a lot of conferences about the psychology of online behavior and I've written a couple of books on it and I used to do a podcast around that and then Oh, really? That's yeah.
1: interesting. Online behaviour. Yeah. OK, cool.
0: Um, so that's more my sort of domain in which I'm kind of more experienced. But um, mm. I really love interviewing people. And when I was much younger, I spent quite a bit of time um, exploring kind of, well, things like sustainability. And I travelled to Ecuador by myself and did some, some volunteering out there. And then that kind of informed a lot of my 20s. And I stopped around 25 and then kind of got sucked into the world of business. Yeah. And then in the last few years, I found myself getting drawn back that way and started looking at different ways to to explore that but also to make it much more accessible to people and I think Mm. um, my hope with the podcast now is to use the platform that I have to people you know for a lot of people who won't necessarily have come across these topics um, to share insights and tools and resources that people will probably find useful with the oncoming change so that's that's kind of my hope and it's a way for me to give what back.
1: change what are you talking about there's no change coming <laughs>
0: everything's purely predictable it will be gonna really be fine
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely but, so that's
0: kind of where i'm at and i don't know where it's gonna go but it's um i felt very moved to pull on this thread and let's see it's a third series already so who knows great and you're getting knows? good response yeah, I'm getting very intimate responses from people. So personal messages and people sharing journeys, which is actually really heart, heartwarming because um, it's a mm. lot of work. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but I think it's important somehow.
1: Yeah, well done. Great. Thank you. Thank you. OK, so That's now it's right. time for
0: me to interview you.
1: <laughs> That's OK. Well, I hope that was included.
0: Oh, are we including that bit? Well, it's all recorded yeah. anyway. Yeah. Oh, Great.
1: Put okay. it all in. <laughs> yeah
0: all right well now my first question to you um an easy one to kick us off is where do you think we're headed as a species
1: oh easy yeah <laughs> where are we headed as a species well where we where I think what I believe what I feel what I predict um well I think I think I, I think we'll make it through I don't think everyone will make it through I definitely mm-hmm. think we're up for um radical reevaluation of the way we live our life i mean clearly the trajectory we're on isn't going to sustain everyone mm. um sadly a lot of the strongest voices in the world seem to um be continuing with this trajectory and one wonders what their motivations are whether they think that their money and their power is going to get them through mm. um or or whether they're just completely crazy I think probably they're not I think they're making a strategy and it's pretty dark Um, so it depends how quickly we wake up to what's going on and the trouble is I think is that um, those of us living in first world nations who are sort of in many ways doing very well thanks very much Mm. obviously not in the important ways but in certain ways Mm. um, we consider ourselves to be we're, we're it, we're not likely to wake up until we get a bit of a slap so it just depends when the slap comes I'm hoping it will come soon so that we do have a wake up even though the slap will have its own um, obviously um, drop out and consequences I think better in the long run that we have some sort of awakening I don't see it coming from people just listening to podcasts and, and sort of slowly opening up mm. I, think, I think something something dramatic's got to really hit us for us to really reevaluate sadly I wish it was different but that's my feeling um, but having said that I do I do still hold out for something incredibly beautiful the other side of that um, I mean it's going to be a difficult transition but th- the, p- the potential for us as a species if we haven't destroyed all the other species alongside us but the potential for us is extraordinary and I think that that's what I'm working towards. Is is what's on the other side. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, like it's it's hard to know. Uh, but, but but yeah, I'm I'm holding an optimistic view. Um, let's say.
0: <laughs> I like that you're holding an optimistic view. It's funny because the um, the responses to that question vary so much according to who I'm asking. And I think mm. one of the things that I'm interested in hearing more about is what you might hope is on the other side of um, yeah, of the huge change that has to happen, mm. because clearly a lot of the systems that are upholding some of the worst um, aspects of currently of human life—so the, the massive drain on resources, the extinction of entire species, etc.—that that can't continue. Um, either it's going to end in us all getting wiped out because none of us can survive, or it's going to have to, as you say, kind of take a completely different path. Um, what do you see as a possible future?
1: Yeah, you say it can't continue. I mean, it clearly can continue. It's just, let's hope it doesn't. Mm. Um, At some stage, there has to be um, a realisation. It's just a question of whether or not that realisation comes in time or not. Um, uh, uh, So what's on the other side? Well, it just depends on the info wars that we have going (laughs) on at the moment, you know. I mean, I do think it's a a fight of narratives Mm. and... And there are so many different competing narratives and we've been through eras of recent narratives that haven't worked and we were at slap bang in the middle of a new one that is clearly still only favoring a few. Um, My, my sort of journey is to try and promulgate other information that offers different narratives with a much more sweet and harmonious future, but they do require work and they do require self-reflection and they do require healing. Um, so, uh, so there's you know there's a, there's a lot to do but if if that if if that work and healing and all of is, is the transition and you're asking me what's the other side of that mm-hmm. well what's the other side of that is um is the most extraordinary settling into our place in the universe and a realization of how ex- how lucky it, it is that That we've made it, and that we're that we're able to now kind of sit back and 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 um, wonder at the beauty and the majesty and the mystery of it all, and and exist in harmonious communities with each other and with nature, and just reveling in all of the gifts that are there for us. uh, That sounds beautiful. Without having to yeah, without having to compete with each other and and have all these extraordinary things that we feel we need just to fill the void of actually what can be offered to us so simply through community and nature and, um, and a different way of being. Mm -hmm.
0: It strikes me actually that, um, that, that element of wanting to fill this void, um, is something which is really hard sometimes to talk about because I think often people just don't want to look at it uh, or take the time and the space to feel into it because it's terrifying. and I was talking with a friend of mine over lunch today, actually, about a recent trip that she took to Georgia. She is saying that economically it's actually not doing that well, but but people will just share everything they have with one another in really mm. real senses. So she had two or three knocks on the door within the few days that she was there of people offering food. And I think, you know, clearly it's easy for me to romanticize that. And obviously it's born out of people not having very much and sharing because um, the community is, is fueled by that. But I wonder what it might look like for people to start, I guess, modelling those behaviours now before, you know, building this resilience now before we get hit by the massive slap. And I I wonder if you think there are examples of this happening already, of people chartering a different path forward um, to building towards what's possible.
1: I think there definitely are there's so many people who are trying to do this um with different levels of of success Mm. um and and also slightly different models each of them I'm also doing my own I mean I'm literally even just today writing my own manifesto for um the a a future type of community that could spread and inject the system and become the new
0: I wanted to ask you about that
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it's a work in progress, but it, mm. it it's definitely feels like it's where I've got to in all of my... I've been wondering how to express everything that I've learned. Um, and this feels like the right... Finally, it feels like the right um, method for me, actually. It's just actually scribbling it down as a manifesto. as <laughs> like a, it's like a um, constitution <laughs> for a u- united world. Um, so there's, uh, so that's kind of where, where what I'm playing around yeah. with. But um, you're so right that actually the reason that I feel that I, uh, and you know, it's such a weird arrogant almost statement to go, "What, Bruce? <laughs> you're writing a bloody <laughs> who the hell do you think you are?" But the reason that I feel compelled to do that, it, it, uh, almost driven to do that, is is not because I think I'm anything special, but because I've had the extraordinary privilege of touching on communities who actually exist in this way Mm. Um, and that's what it is it's like well until you actually are able to walk into the other paradigm and and abide in that space and realize that it's possible it feels like just a completely romantic illusion Mm. but when you have had the opportunity to do that then you realize that it is possible. And f- so for me, where I've got to with all my filmmaking and documentaries and traveling and all the rest of it, it actually doesn't do anything. Uh, what really needs to happen is we need to start having these um, communities and groups of people living in such a way that, that's tangible, lived, lived examples mm-hmm. of this new way so that others can touch that and have the same experience that I've had which is a realisation that that it's not only possible but infinitely preferable and then we have a chance.
0: So I'm curious when you're talking about sort of, it sounds like intentional communities um, with explicit shared values at the centre because I'm very curious in this area but I I also get worried about um, finding ways to not end up recreating a lot of the structures that seem to, to have a tendency of cropping up in communities. So for instance, things like hierarchy, conflict, etc. cetera. Um, what are some of the experiences that you've had in your travels and in your contact with other cultures who work in a different way that, that have shown you key things that perhaps alternatives to dealing with some of these difficult things without the use of hierarchy, without the use of um, destructive forms of conflict, let's say? Mm.
1: Well, um, interestingly, you know, I've went and visited tribes around the world and, um, and obviously learned so much about healing practices, connection to nature, the benefits of community life, the benefits of bringing up children in community. There are a thousand things that people are waking up to now as to why there's so much benefit of living in community. But as far as some of the deeper aspects of how people live together, I genuinely Felt that actually they were pretty much the same as us. They were still dealing with the same issues of hierarchy and ownership and um, and stress from different levels of value yes. to each individual within society, and all of these things that I that I thought well, comes at the end of the day, this is just part of our our way of being, a part of our, our species almost. Mm-hmm. Until that was <laughs> that I lived with the last group that I lived with and all of the tribes and all of these flamboyant groups of people (laughs) around the world, all these people that I'd visited who one could be forgiven for thinking were um, ancient groups, Mm -hmm. you know, living in a sort of timeless way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not trying to deride any of them because of course there was so much beauty and wonder and and wisdom in all of them. There really was. But But having said that, I think it's still fair to say that it's only when I met the last group of all of the groups that I was traveling with making the series Tribe that I came across the Penan people in Borneo. Mm. And for me, it was like being slapped around the face. It was like walking into another paradigm. It absolutely was that. And it was only then that I realized, oh my God, this is actually how it used to be. And what I realized over a, 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 a... um, a long period of time and also having to get over my own sense of like, insecurity about romance and, and um, naivety that I suddenly started meeting anthropologists and academics who were telling me, oh, no, 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 Bruce, what you've just experienced there is actually how it was before the Neolithic Revolution for all humans for 95 percent of our time on the planet (laughs) and all of these other groups that i thought i was visiting who were as i say wonderful in their own right but actually they were all dealing with hierarchy leadership Mm. um all the problems that we are dealing with today and only when i met the Penan did i realize fuck this is what non-competitive non-hierarchical societies can be like and it is like walking into a different paradigm um, and so that's what spurned me so much. And, and interestingly, I think that if I had met that group first, mm. I probably wouldn't have noticed. Wow. For the average person going to meet them, they seem like a very sweet group of people. But you, but I think it was only because I had lived with so many other tribal groups, um, and then came across them at the Penan, that I was able to really discern this much deeper thing going on. It was so clear to me there was something very, very different happening. But it was invisible. You know, it's like they they were wearing T-shirts, they were smoking cigarettes, they were just like many of the other (laughs) groups that I'd visited. Mm. But what was really interesting and different about them was that they were existing in a world without competition, um, without leadership. They had no hierarchical issues at all, and they worked tirelessly to maintain that. So it's a very different form of society, a decentralized, individually empowered society where everyone has an equal voice, an equal member. And, um, and it was these things that I, you know, I'd read about. I knew that they were like this sort of like egalitarian tribes. But the but it only really hit me when I met them. And I'm like, wow, this is and um, this is like. A completely different way of being, and and what I've also, as I said earlier, just realised is that this is actually how we all were Mm. for the vast majority of our time on the planet, and that that bit of the narrative does something to you when you when you realise this isn't just like a romantic pie in the sky dream about a possible future. You realise that actually ninety five percent of our time on the planet as humans, we existed in a way. That was resilient to change and was uh, was harmonious with each other and with nature. You know, we, 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 not this isn't utopia. They obviously have their ups and downs, but in the in the general grand scheme of things, they are a harmonious groups of people. And then you realize, wow, this is what our real potential is.
0: So there is a, a blueprint of of a living example that actually exists.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it's only through me. I mean, like since meeting them, my whole life's changed. You know, I. I've, uh, the film I made recently touches on all of this and all of my sort of like talks that I give at the moment, the manifesto I'm writing and all the rest of it is, it's not just saying, hey, we used to be egalitarian, (laughs) um, we can do it again. It's like trying to pick out the tools and methods that these groups used in order to maintain their type of society and Mm -hmm. seeing how they could be applied to a future type of community. And that's the work that I'm on because it, it strikes me that uh, that actually a lot of it can be transposed, mm-hmm. and maybe only now, for the first time in history, could it happen. Yes. that's what's really weird. It's like um, it's like it's like the the time that we need it most. This information has come back to us, you know. In all of the last, you know, thousands of years, this has been lost. We haven't really understood this, and so every other Philosopher that's ever come up with his best idea on how humans should live together, they didn't have this information at their fingertips. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if they did, whether they might have come up with a different theory or idea, because it seems so far away from where we're at.
0: Yeah.
1: And only through touching it are you able to understand, ah, this is what we can be like.
0: And to living, living in a context in which it's the everyday where you're literally immersed in it.
1: Absolutely. But bizarrely, what's really weird is... Um, it doesn't take that long to get your head around it. And yeah, it needs work, but once you start seeing the world through this other prism, you're like, mm. oh, actually, everything becomes clear in another <laughs> way. Um, but it is a belief system in a sense, you know, they all they all exist in a belief system, which is very different to our belief system. Their belief system is that we're all better off if we stay equal. You mm. know, our belief system is more like a, a alleged meritocracy or something, whatever, mm. but we know that power gets out of hand. Um, sorry they know that if power becomes centralized it cannot help but become corrupted Mm. and yet we we still sort of see we look up towards power still and we choose the competitive winners and all these things where these groups just don't do that they see that as as abhorrent and it's a massive shift in in awareness but once you can start putting putting on those glasses and seeing the world through those lenses you're like god it it just makes so much (laughs) more sense
0: It strikes me that um, establishing such a community or creating tools and methods to enable people to live more um, coherently to that that sort of way of living is actually a deeply political act. If you think about all the structures and institutions that that would go against in terms of what's expected of us and like you say about our our, um, perception of and deference to authority... Um, you're creating a lot of resources around this to make it more accessible, which I think is amazing and we need more of that. But have you had any sense of resistance from people on this?
1: No, I haven't done my launch yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but the talks I've been giving, um, at festivals and stuff last year, w- had at their heart, you know, the term revolution. I mean, it, it, mm. it has to be revolutionary mm. and, and in many ways it is a, a saying no to the existing power structures um, but but of but what what was really interesting as well, when I um, started understanding more about egalitarian tribes, of which there were still a few, not many but still a few around, and especially the work of um, a number of anthropologists that I became close to, uh, namely Jerome and Ingrid Lewis and Camilla Power and Chris Knight who 've done a lot of work on this, um, I realized that actually not only is this a paradigm that that can be uh, sort of um, lived in, but there is also there, There is a methodology for getting to it, too, and that came about when I had the great fortune of meeting the Benjeli people in the Congo, mm. who Jerome and Ingrid Lewis had spent a, a number of decades with, and realising that this group of people here had in their own narrative a the story of when they first became egalitarian.
0: Oh, wow. Coming
1: Coming about from the saying no to the alpha male in the harem of, of wow. females. Wow. And, I and want to hear that story. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's off the charts. <laughs> And, and they still have ritual song and dance oh. that keeps the narrative alive yeah. of you don't fight the power base. You can't fight the power base in that instance, according to this, these theories, which which resonate with me very deeply. Mm. It was the women coming together in solidarity, saying no to the alpha male was how they came about doing it. And then oh. inviting the other men in to come and live in harmony with them, provided that they let go of their more aggressive, competitive aspects and brought out their own uh, softer side and that was the beginning of it and then being held accountable by this play between the masculine and the feminine energies within the society that continues to this day and that all of these tools as it were were the were the things that um, that suddenly made me realize wow here here is not only a, the tools for how to maintain it but also maybe even the tool, the sort of insight in mm-hmm. how it how one can have a revolution that isn't just trying to tackle the power base using the same type of power that's there. It's a different type of, of, um, revolution. And in some ways that's m- maybe creating in communities could be similar to that. It's just like not buying into the power base anymore. Uh, yeah, that's going to come, that's going to have its teething problems, but yeah. there's love at its heart. And, um, and, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a change over period. There's going to be like, a, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, and, there, and there has to be an, an understanding that we we are also living with the gifts of the last 10,000 years of separation and all the technological advances. And, you know, we're not turning our backs on them. And so we also need to sort of like support that, that those the good aspects of what our society has brought about. But we can also do that perhaps in a way that doesn't support the negative and, You know, it will be a a journey.
0: That story of the women, presumably in the harem, turning against the alpha male Mm -hmm. and then creating an environment which they invited the other men to share with them, it fills me both with hope and with horror, especially because um, of the the story of The Handmaid's Tale and the other similar stories that are kind of warning bells being sounded right now at this inflection point, I feel, in in history where we do have... um, a huge drive towards these more hierarchical authoritarian dogmatic fascist ideals on mm. one end of the spectrum because of course there's a huge diversity but they get sounded up but that's on the one end um and there's other much more decentralized cooperative um connection-based sort of ways of, of, of designing things together so more ecosystems based ways of thinking and mm. i think that My concern, my horror, is at what point, how much buy-in do the more vulnerable in society require in order to upturn a system? Because it's so easy for those who stand up and who are the ones most at risk or have the most um, to lose to not be able to make that transition. So the pacifists in history who've been wiped off the face of the earth or the countless generations of women I mean kind of I, I don't want to take it down a really bleak path but that's what my mind bends towards is how yeah, do we of course. avoid this well
1: like... uh, the answer is there's no knowing the, the, the answer is that um, well I let me <laughs> take all that back I don't know the answer um, all I know is that my belief is that all sectors of society do better under this other way of being. Yeah. Um, whether you what the perceived the winning side of our competitive realm, or or at the bottom, that that the actually all of us do better, uh, and so one hopes that the, the, the messages in these narratives will will touch everyone's hearts. But you're right. I mean, the, one of the reasons that egalitarian societies. Um, aren't existing that much anymore is because the more technologically advanced, powerful, warmongering agricultural societies um, probably force them out. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so that hasn't gone. And yet, and yet, um, something still spurns me forwards. Um, and, and I do think that there's something in it when you hear it that that touches you, whoever you are. Mm-hmm. And my hope is um that there's something about um the, the the male female the the masculine mm-hmm. feminine aspect to this that that, that might also resonate the, uh, even though that's a very difficult story to be telling in this day and age as well um and um and so i don't know i think that i think that um a lot of the power base is powerful because we buy into it yeah. and the the whole methodology of these types of sort of revolutionary communities if you will is actually just by not trying to confront it but by just stepping out and yeah. by doing that more and more and more people realizing and waking up to oh god actually I don't have to go and do this m- mindless job every day I could be doing something else and also not buying into it and buying into the sort of existing structure and that in its own right diffuses the power of those structures because they are only powerful because we buy into them Mm. um but but that's that as you know i'm I'm sure your um, cynical mind is kicking over (laughs) time with with all of this romantic waffle but (laughs) you know i think that i think that there are going to be things the, the other part of it is like even if this hasn't taken this manifestos or these (laughs) other people trying to do similar stuff Mm. hasn't like succeeded in turning the boat around once we hit the icebergs the 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 fact that the narratives are back in the world and the fact that there have been a few examples might be enough also for even those who thought they were doing well thanks very much to go shit you know what um Mm. we have to reevaluate. Because ultimately, we're all, you know, the, the power and the money isn't going to isolate those people from what's coming either. No. You know, they're already visiting those psychologists, wondering what they're going to do about the, the, you know, their private armies. It's like, are they going to turn on us? You know, it's like the, the future is, is not... It's, you know, it's, it's going to affect us all. And there's no insulating yourself from it. And mm. here, here are narratives that could offer a way out if people are willing to buy into it you know but it does take some it does take some buying into these are not easy to sh- shifts you know and especially i live in the uk it's an incredibly rich and prosperous nation yeah. and and people aren't waking up to anything very much nice. but you just look at greece and italy when they uh, i sorry spain when they went through their economic downturns in recent years and suddenly new ideas arise to the surface mm. and it is it is it is a comp it is sort of like a you know, competition of narratives out there at the moment. I just happen to think that this is a powerful one because it's for everyone.
0: I wonder what, what you think is the role of, for instance, things like music and art and poetry and the w- written word and media and films um, and theatre and dance, you know, all of the arts. I wonder what you feel the arts role can be in creating, um, creating spaces for these narratives and finding ways to unlock something different in people. Because I think we have we know something's off, we have this hunger for connection and the people I speak to, the number of people I speak to outside of the arts world that I'm in, um, but who are still in business and doing the the sort of the 9 to 5, I'm struck at how unhappy many, many, many of them are Um, and how much happier I am now doing this with people who are much less affluent but doing something that they value that communicates something else than just, you know, winning the bread, and of it, because one <laughs> has to do that too. But, um, but I wonder what place you think the arts have in, in creating and opening people up to these narratives.
1: I think um, they, they could have an incredibly powerful role to play Uh, and I would love to see that happen more and more I mean I I'm sort of love hate relationship with Hollywood actually half the time (laughs) it's like I I see some of the stuff that's coming I mean I know you're not really referring directly to Hollywood but (laughs) let's just use them as the probably the most prolific um medium (laughs) a a small little village folk group is is more more heartfelt (laughs) probably but um, but even in the big you know even in the big spaces of places like Hollywood um there are some incredibly um interesting storylines coming out and, mm. and thoughtful um, narratives that appear occasionally in really the most surprising places I mean there's definitely full of people who are not full but there's a number of people in there who are really doing their bit and trying their hardest and and I I struggled myself thinking god how am I going to get the stuff that I'm carrying out I spent seven years trying to make a documentary and I didn't really do it mm. um, and then I thought well god I just need to I actually I thought I need to write a script of a of um of like a drama and Mm. just have all of these things being said um by characters that I just make up that I wouldn't dare put in my own documentary but like I could just have some crazy character (laughs) saying shit and I'm like okay well he can play me and say all the many crazy stuff and I just don't need to own it um and so in that in that way for some people they're incredibly powerful tools for receiving information Mm. um and obviously things like music and poetry, what they do, it, it, separate to film, um, music and poetry as well, is like they offer us a way of experiencing information in, in a much more sort of right hemispheric, let's say, um, holistic, more embodied, more emotional way. And, um, and, and in many ways, one of the things that we need to do on the healing journey is to try and feel that empathic connection once again that, we, mm. that, we're, that we're losing uh, Oh, some places lost um, and I think that the arts definitely can tap into that you know we, I was with some shaman in um in the Amazon a couple of years ago and who deal with a lot of Westerners coming through, and I said to them, you know what's the single biggest problem you see with us in the West coming over here for mm. our healing and they all just said in unison you know you're all stuck in the head mm. um, and it's so true, and I think that a lot of the arts allow us to become uh, more embodied in our feelings once again and so they for that reason too I think there's a lot of there's a a lot that can a lot of synergy that can come in this journey with with the arts I think it's really vital.
0: Mm. It makes me think of um, one of the things that really transformed uh, an experience I had with plant medicine and it was it was the use of sound Um, and it wasn't even sound that I could recognize as language but it it completely transformed the experience and so I wonder about this the ability of sound to unlock things in us um, either in a synesthetic way or in an embodied way but at these various different levels a very deep transformation I think can can really take place
1: I mean I've had the most bonkers experience (laughs) with sound in plant medicine in journeys and um, yeah I mean for me when I drink with different shaman traveling shaman or when I go to the Amazon or wherever I go you know that there's there's quite a lot these days who get the guitar out and sing a few songs and they 're beautiful and they 're joyful ways of finishing a ceremony but the 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 time that I get the greatest healing as an internal voyage of like unlocking various traumas and whatever it is that 's going on mm. is when someone will sing an ikaro, which oh, is yeah. like generally a sound rather than of the words, and words I find go to my head and they become stories and then I'm listening to the words and whereas the sounds are, are directly um, mouthed or, or sort of created in order to bring about some sort of inner resonance in a different way. And you go to, um, you know, so, so some, some, Shamanic groups, especially uh, or indigenous groups like the Shipibo ring, um, sort of spring to Mm -hmm. mind. They use these icaros in an extraordinary way where they would literally see your body and sing to where they see the energetic blockage in your body using a different song or icaro that they will have received through doing a dieta of dieting on a particular plant for a Mm -hmm. number of months, and that will have brought them about a certain energy f- vibration whatever you want to call it that they might want to use for that particular blockage and this is an incredible craft and and it sounds bonkers from the sort of material scientific paradigm but when you have the experience of some of these people sitting in front of you and they're just staring at you and <laughs> singing these extraordinary sounds mm-hmm. which are like wow wow sort of <laughs> funny noises yeah. and then you feel this shit going on inside you like I don't know what's going yeah, on but happening. something's happening something's happening and also like when i remember in the orinoco doing um uh, a substance called yopo which is a dmt based uh, substance which was pretty powerful and, was tr- and uh, snorting it all day long yeah. um and and only when i learned their song they lent me one of their songs again. They 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 have these cooler spirits that come into the body, and then depending on how many spirits you have, swinging in hammocks between your rib cages. That's how powerful you are as a shaman, and how many different songs you have, and all the rest of it. And da da da. But when I started singing one of their songs, it was only through that process that I literally um, just left this cosmos and entered into another realm. And and it was through what it felt like because i mean the sounds were so interesting and they were almost um designed to resonate different cavities within the body some would be like it was very much about the forehead others would be ah the sort of back of the throat like, mmm, which would be more the the chest and all of these different types of sound were, were being evoked in these different songs wow. and you could feel it all going on inside you and and you know it I well, again I don't know what's going on but the f- but I do believe that we have stuff that's stuck inside our bodies and that, 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 that of course we're all energy in in, uh, in in vibration inside ourselves and these things seem to have some way of unlocking something and I don't know what it is but um but I I've felt it and it's super powerful and um and uh yeah so I think sound is is immense so.
0: It's so intriguing hearing you talk about the use of sound to unlock. I literally today was having a conversation um, about two ways of this happening, like either through symbolism in art, which is something more the visual side, but also about um, the ability of songs that have been conceived in a very particular emotional state to evoke that state in others and to open something up in them. Um, Here, of course, I'm talking about more. Uh, narrative stories that Mm. one tells through songs as well as the the melody so it's a very different thing to what you're describing but there is something about that about the transmission of something which is so much richer and more um, immersive than just the use of language alone Um, yeah yeah and especially when people come together to sing or be sung to I think there's a really particular kind of magic that can happen there
1: absolutely I mean the the um Some of these some of these uh, tribes in uh, the Congo, they do polyphonic singing. And and when you are doing that together in the group, um, (laughs) something extraordinary happens to you again. It's like that they it's so there's a there's a mantra that you might sing. And and then so going through the process of doing that and then doing that in your group and then listening to the others around you so that you're not too loud, not too quiet, so that you're all harmonizing together. Um, and once you once you get it in your own self, that's one thing, but then when you start opening out and listening to the others to make sure that you're getting it right, you just leave your body and you become the forest around you. And, and everyone's enjoying that space together. They're like, no, we do this because this allows us to connect with the forest. And, um, and that's just me on a very basic level. But wow. they're doing it in a much more uh, fine level, where they're they're free flowing with their songs. They're not f- following mantras. They're just vibing with the <laughs> um, like cosmic jamming. <laughs> cosmic jamming, and but like literally mm-hmm. all uh, that, that is their communion together. They are in communion with each other and with the environment that holds them. I'd love to explain something like
0: that. That sounds yeah. I mean,
1: off the charts, mm. off the charts. And there's so many examples of that I've I've come across where sound's been used for healing. Where literally people sit around and just sing at people to get them better. And it's like sound is is vital. And I think probably our first our first tool for healing.
0: Mm. So I want to ask you actually one of the things that I was reading about that you're that you're working on now is your your kind of project to live and work with a community of friends for an experiment in conflict resolution and egalitarian living. Is that underway? And I'm really curious to ask, <laughs> how is it going?
1: <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Well, I don't know where you read that. On your but, website. Uh, no, it's, oh, did <laughs> yeah. I? Oh, my God. Did better I, revise it, uh, Bruce. <laughs> but, I better revise my website. No, I'm... Um, I, yeah, I'm, 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 in uh-huh. I'm in very embryonic stage. I'm in very embryonic stage. I'm riding them... Basically... Um, without going into too much detail Mm -hmm. i had a group of people i was going to live with uh and that is taking its time to come together Mm -hmm. um and so i'm just scribbling (laughs) out the 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 whole manifesto thing to make sure that we're all on the same Mm -hmm. page before we come through obviously it's not just me that's writing it because it's about decentralization and it's the whole thing is about as about looking at power and where power can get centralized and corrupted so the whole thing is about letting go of that and so i could be kicked out (laughs) if i don't behave or whatever you know so there's it's not about me at all um which is where most of my friends take the piss um (laughs) (laughs) clearly uh but um yeah i'm i'm uh, i'm I'm just getting that together and then also it just takes time I'm I'm slowly still communicating with with these wonderful people who have extraordinary skills and I'm really excited to hopefully live together and we're just we're we're taking our time you know so it's uh it's work in progress and I I I I kind of thought I could rush it and I realized (laughs) that was that was not wise.
0: On that note actually of the the it's not all about me because I I know that in many Western cultures, we even with the best of intentions, maybe especially with the best of intentions, um, we do nonetheless come from very individualistic cultures which prize yeah. ego and sort of a more atomized way of of living um, how How do you find How do you find ways of expressing one's individuality and desire for um I suppose, drive to accomplish things in a society or a community that seeks to be more egalitarian?
1: Well, for me, I think the, one, of the, one of the things is by readdressing things like ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems slightly t- tangential, but I can explain it. It's like if everyone's literally on the same playing field and everyone is equally um, invested and everyone has the same amount to lose... And we we're all working together. Then all of the sort of the subtle, hidden power plays that are in our society—because I have a little bit more than you, or because I'm a little bit more famous than you, or because I have more notoriety, whatever mm. it is—those things play out. But when that's just when that's um, removed, then actually, my ne- once I've signed over that the property and we're all in it together, <laughs> then the the guy next door can just give me shit because I'm being a dick. <laughs> and in many. And in many ways, I think that's, that's what I've realized on my own journey of like getting into a space where I've, I've accumulated a lot more money or you know, not at the moment, but previously, <laughs> or accumulated notoriety mm. or whatever it is. That these things allow us to hide from our stuff. Mm. You know, we, the more money you get, the more you realize you just don't need to be answerable. And it's all about accountability. And so if I can write this in a way that literally we're looking at that every step of the way, it's like accountability Um, under the sort of like the value system that we've created and all the practices that go around that and having to turn up for the healing if (laughs) required or whatever. It's like I I'm accountable. Mm. And and my friends, because they have nothing to lose or gain, because they're no that they're not looking up to anyone having more power than them. They're like, you're being a fucking (laughs) dick, Bruce. And then and thank you, yeah, because my, my belief is that we are all better off when we go through the healing journey. And even though it's tough to look at one's stuff, um, it's actually th- at the end of the journey is something much more harmonious for everyone. So only by holding on to the belief that actually beneath the layers of conditioning is something really beautiful, mm. which I do believe is one willing to put oneself into the sort of like the, the dog pack <laughs> to be yapped at until you're, you know, you're part of the gang. Um, and so I think I think that's what I'm holding on to is like just by giving everyone equal place in it. Then, and you know I've said to the have said to my friends who I'm potentially going to be living with I was like you know this is just like my own therapy. <laughs> um, you guys are all cool because they've all been living in community for for years. They're all like in a really good space with each other. It's like it's me that's had this extraordinary life of. Complete individuality, where I can go anywhere, I can do anything. Mm. I've had loads of cash. I, 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 any decision, anything. What we see, perceive as freedom. Yes. So I've had the freedom to go and do anything I want, but it's actually killing me. It's ultimately, sort of unlimited choice is not is not healthy, and and I am so well. I'm not there yet, as you can see, <laughs> in my community of one. Um, <laughs> but but my my deep. Belief is that I will be actually better off in the long run because I'd spent. I see, and you mentioned it earlier. The sort of like the separation and filling the void. Well, that's where the addictions come in, you know, and that's where the online stuff comes in, and all those other things. It's actually I don't need any of that when I'm with those the, those friends and we're just crafting together yeah. or out walking or what. It's just it just dissipates. So many of those things come from my. I'll, Excessive freedoms, actually.
0: One of the things um, that I can imagine critics lobbying back in our direction. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> don't send also- any of their information to me. <laughs> no, I just don't. It, but but also, tell you <laughs> but also living in Spain, it's interesting to see how people it, sort of view um, political narratives when you're actually in the country versus out, and also having distance now from the UK. But one of the 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 C word that comes to mind um, is communism. And that being something that I'm sure people will volley about in response to having, Mm. um, for instance, some examples that I've heard talk about more of a bartering um, economy where people aren't exchanging money, they're creating and growing things together. And I know people who do this. And as far as I can tell, they're they're not um, recognizably communist if you're looking at the political blueprint for what we've experienced to be communism. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, like it's so simple for me. It's like... it,
1: it, I've, I've often had it when I've been on things like your podcast and and others, and people I'll, mm. I'll see in the notes afterwards like bloody hell, I've just, I've just got out of a communist state and I'm glad the wall went down. and never want to go to it again. I'm enjoying our freedom and like that's terrible. How dare you suggest such a ridiculous idea? Oh, wow. and and I'm like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you're completely missing the point communism is is another extreme form like socialism actually mm. and the reason that we've got this such weird politics left and right and they both have a seed of wisdom in both sides and yet we're at such loggerheads and such polarized it's like both of them are competing for central power yeah. in some ways um And so communism is an extraordinary form of central power. We all believe in the state and sharing, but we have to give it through someone else who's then Mm. going to share it on our behalf. Mm. And that's just not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about fully empowered individuals um, and direct democracy without any need for central power at all. I mean, it's a completely different paradigm. It doesn't relate. There's there's nothing to do with communism. Communism is abhorrent in that way. I mean, it has at its heart on paper, like great values that we were going to share but it it, it as as ever it's corrupted mm. it's corrupted because the people that fought to get it used the same type of power to to achieve it yeah. as the power that they were trying to to overcome and so of course ended up replacing like with like as has always happened
0: so back to that bringing about new models thank you yeah yeah Bring fascinating. On the
1: sex strike that's what we need
0: <laughs> sex. think I'm up for a sex strike (laughs) (laughs) okay just you know for anyone listening who is interested um (laughs) before we sort of dive down a really weird path I have one more question (laughs) one more question for you um and that's for people who are listening what one insight or advice from the many extraordinary experiences and encounters you've had um do you think would be most most helpful to offer people who are listening it could be about anything but something that you find valuable
1: oh my god I'm terrible at these types of questions we've had such a nice chat and now you've gone and asked me for a favorite or one thing it's like um I don't know how to end well you know believe believe you know my biggest insight is that humankind is amazing and we can live in harmony with each other and that beneath the layers of conditioning where we look you know sometimes we're fearful to look inside because we think we're just bad actually is something really beautiful and we can create something extraordinary i know it because i've touched it and i think it can be done again so that's my insight to share is like believe in us and we can make it through but we've got to heal
0: Thank you for listening to The Hive Podcast with me, Natalina High. To find out more about today's guest and the topics we explored, you can visit the show notes page at natalinahigh.com forward slash The Hive Podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please do give it a rating and you can join in the conversation with the hashtag Hive Podcast. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to sharing more with you in the next episode.